Hello. Hello, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. Welcome yeah. to Remember God Loves You. And Thank I'm you very much. Can you hear me okay? Does everything sound all right? Uh, absolutely. How's it going, sir? I'm well, and how are you? Doing pretty good. So Great. Thank you for finding time for allowing me to share my testimony. I appreciate it. Uh, no, you're absolutely fine. So let's start off. What is your name? My name is uh, Mark Sowersby. Okay. And you are a pastor, right? I am a pastor in Massachusetts. So I say Ka and Harvard and Yad. All righty. How long have you been a pastor? Well, I've been a pastor for about 25 years. Okay. Uh, I've been pastoring here in Massachusetts in this particular church for just over a, a year now. All right. What denomination, if I may ask? Uh, well, I'm with the Assembly of God. Okay. Oh, Assembly of God. Okay. Uh, yep. were you okay. Uh, were you always with the Assembly of God? Yep. I, uh, I, I, w I wasn't raised in the church, but I was 15, 16 years old when I came to the church in an Assembly of God church that reached out to me. So my personal roots, uh, not a family roots, but my personal roots reach, reach to the Assembly of God. So I grew up there, if you would say, and then I went to an Assembly of God Bible college and I've been credentialed with the Assembly of God my whole ministry. That's exciting. So let's dive in. What brought you to Christ, if I may ask? Like, what's your testimony? Like, well, sure. And that's really what my testimony is all about. That's what my book's about, called Forgiving the Nightmare. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I grew up with a lot of pain and a lot of hurt, like many people did, a lot of dysfunction. And my nightmare was from the ages of 7 to I was 14, I was abused. I was abused in every way, shape, and form. I was physically abused, emotionally abused. I was sexually abused. I was sold to others. I was burnt and I was stabbed. And I was really taken advantage of for those seven years of my life from the ages of seven to 14 years old. Uh, my mother, who I knew loved me, but she did not have the skills to protect me. So she neglected me in many ways by, by not protecting me. Um, I did not know my father because I was born from an affair. And so... So these pains and hurts were all about me and around me. And for those seven years of my life, people asked me how I feel, I felt in those years. And I felt what many people would feel. I felt anger. I felt sadness. I felt abandonment. I felt shame. I felt confusion. But mostly I just felt empty. I felt empty and, and just lost was how I felt mostly. And at, the abuse ended at 14 for two reasons. First of all, I got large enough or big enough or strong enough to fight my abuser off. And then I found what I call my defender. I found an adult who would believe me and stand up for me and protect me with their love and their action and their words. So the abuse ended. But that summer of 15, between my 15-year-old birthday and 16-year-old birthday, I was invited to a youth group. It was the 80s. So we all had the mullets. It was the law. You know, it was the 80s. And so so at that that youth group uh, went on a Wednesday night. The following Saturday, the youth group was going to hike a mountain. Uh, they all stopped at my house. We were living in a third floor apartment. They beat the horn. It felt like a million cars were waiting for me. It was probably only four or five. But my young mind, it felt like a million. They were calling me. They were beckoning me. They were inviting me. I felt accepted. I felt a part of something. They invited me to climb a mountain. I didn't have the right equipment or the money, but they took time to love on me and, and show me Christ's love. On the way home that night, a young man would ask me if I want to ask Jesus Christ 
into my life, and I asked Jesus Christ to become my Lord and Savior. I probably didn't realize the depth of the commitment I was making, but God did, and he's held me to it. And I started on my journey, what I call forgiving the nightmare. Amen to that. So what do you tell somebody that's in this kind of a situation that is kind of an abusive situation? What do you tell them? Like, how would they find hope and how they find inspiration? Well, the first thing I like to say is the enemy is a liar. And the first thing the enemy would love to do is make you feel like you're the only one. You're isolated by yourself, that no one's ever gone through anything like this. And you're wrong and you're bad. Those are the words of the accuser and the, the thief and the deceiver. And I'd say you're not the only one that's walked through this pain, this sorrow, and this hurt. There's many people out there of all kinds of life and backgrounds and makeups that have unfortunately have had this bitter, this bitter cup to their lips. So I would say, first of all, you're not alone. And I'd say the journey of forgiveness is not an easy one. It's not a one-and-done one event. It wasn't I went to church, put two bucks in the plate, and prayed, and I went home, and everything was peaches and cream. It was a journey for me. So the hope I give is that you're not the only one. And there's a lot of resources, counselors, coaches, pastors, friends that are out there to help you come beside you on this journey. So even though it's a difficult journey that's sometimes one step forward and two steps back, and there was days where I wanted to throw in the towel and give up. And that's what I talk about in Forgiving the Nightmare, that I don't just say, hey, I went to church, I prayed and God made it perfect. I talk about the journey of forgiveness. I talk about how the it had pitfalls and it had mountaintops and it had doubt and it had faith and all of that brought me on my journey to forgive those who trespassed against me. Mm-hmm. I didn't start this journey off to forgive. I started this journey off to seek more of God. And as I sought God, the sum of seeking God, surrendering to God, loving God with all that I am, the sum of that was the Lord helped me forgive those who trespass against me. Wow. Yeah, because one of the things that, I mean, most of us struggle, even as young uh, young Christians that are just beginning the journey, is that forgiveness. What do you think the what do you think the hardest problem of forgiving is? What do you think is like the biggest struggle of asking truly somebody to forgive you? What do you think that is? Well, there's so many facets to that question, right? I don't think there's one biggest above them all. I think no matter who you are, what you've gone through, uh, and no matter what that trauma is in your life and how you're made up, there are many many biggest, if you would. There are more than one. But I think wrestling with yourself, I think that sometimes we believe that if we forgive, that means we're giving up, uh, means that we're kind of approving. I think that you can forgive and still seek justice. You can forgive and still say, I want to have healthy boundaries. You can forgive and say, hey, I, I, you know, that recon- reconciliation may not be the same as forgiveness. I think sometimes reconciliation is a system and a, and a process, but forgiveness can be quicker because it's done by faith and by Christ. Uh, I think that sometimes you have to forgive daily. Jesus says in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread and help us forgive forgive those who trespass against us. And and I would say that daily that we have to forgive, just like we have to believe the Lord for his daily bread. So it's not a one-time event. I think that we're kind of sold a bill of goods when we're told you forgive and you forget. I think we can forgive, uh, but I don't know if you ever forget the deep traumas, the deep traumas of of when somebody takes a pound of flesh, when somebody steals your dignity, your value, and leaves you insecure and broken. I don't know if you ever forget that. You can forgive it, but I don't know if you ever forget it. So I think knowing what forgiveness is and what forgiveness isn't helps us know that what Christ has done for us. Amen. And 
the other question, well, continuing on with our conversation, you know, so you accepted Jesus Christ, and how did you, did you find, like, how did you, like, continue your faith? Because, you know, there's that point, some point in our life where we kind of, our faith becomes stagnant. How do we, how did you keep fire for your faith for Jesus Christ? How did you keep that momentum going? Well, I think, like anybody, I had those moments of dry spells or stagnant seasons. I had those moments where I plateaued. Sure, you know, I just, Christ just came to get me. I think the part of my testimony is that he never left the, he leaves the 99 to go get the one. And I've been the one many, many times. So I I am not a super Christian. I'm not a superstar. I just never let go because I had nowhere else to go. I had no other options. There's a movie in the 80s called The Officer and Gentleman. It's with Richard Gere. And if anybody are listening in the 80s, they remember the character Richard Gere from Pretty Woman. He was the heartthrob of the 80s. And and in that movie, he's playing this, this office opposite candidate. And at the, in the middle of the movie, the drill sergeant is just trying to get him to quit. He's making him do push-ups and sit-ups and PT. And finally, the drill sergeant says, why don't you just quit? And Richard's gear character says, because I have nowhere else to go. I think that's how my walk was for many years. You know, many times the enemy was saying, why don't you just quit? It's too hard to forgive. It's too hard to live with this pain. It's too hard to let go. It's too hard to accept. But I had nowhere else to go. Where else could I go? The psalmist said I could make my bed in hell, and yet you would know I'm there. So there was nothing else for me. And even though sometimes the flesh got weak, And the spirit was willing, but the flesh was weak, but God kept coming for me. And that's the grace of God and the mercy of God that never let me go. Amen. Wow, that was powerful. Um, So can you explain to your book a little bit what your book has, um, like what your book touches on? Or do we just kind of brush that over with your story? No, I think that, you know, thank you for asking me that. I think the book, Forgiving the Nightmare, is I tried to write, uh, very honest, very genuine. I tried to be extremely transparent and honest and true of who I am. My publisher said to me one day, he said, Mark, who's your audience? I said, well, isn't everybody my audience? He said, every author writes for themselves. So I knew I was writing a book really to a guy like me, a guy that's grew up in abuse and hurt and pain, and wrestled with insecurity and fear, a book that was not going to be so big that you'd get lost in the the nuance of it, but a book that was a full read, but not a big read. I tried to read a book you could read on a plane ride, you could read on a train ride, not something that was going to bog you down for months or hours or days, but something you could read that would really impact you. So it was important for me to talk about the faith, my faith, because I believe that only Christ can help us forgive 100%. But I also didn't want to make it a book all about just amen and hallelujahs, and then we tiptoe through the tulips. I wanted to be real honest on my journey and let people know there was doubt, there was anger. I asked all the hard questions that anybody would ask. I asked God, where were you? If you're a loving God, if you're really there, why did this happen? What did I do wrong? What's wrong with me? The enemy left me frightened. He left me broken. And I think sometimes that when you go through deep trauma like abuse, and that was my kind of trauma, but it's not the only nightmare. There's many nightmares out there, deaths and addictions and sorrows and pains. There's many nightmares and traumas out there that want to steal from us uh, our hope and our purpose and the perception that we have of ourselves. So my book, I really try to be honest, genuine, faith-centered, Christ-centered, Bible-centered, but say, you know, not every day was easy, but God is always there. And not every day was perfect, but God was always there. Not every prayer was poetic, 
but God was always there. And then God became bigger. See, I would wake up every day and the abuse was always about me. Even though I was a Christian, even though I loved Jesus, even though I, I read his word, the Everest of my life, the mountain that shined its shadow the most on me every day, how I thought about myself was always through the lens of being an abused person because it's true. I was abused. It was a part of my narrative. But I'll tell you that one day I was always hoping I would wake up and that would be gone. But what happened, I woke up and even though I still have the enemy attack, even though I could still have triggers, even though the enemy still tries to come and sift me with my past, God became bigger. So the mountain of God's word, the mountain of God's spirit, and the mountain of God's love became bigger than even the lie of the abuse. Now, again, I don't... I don't just pretend I went through this. It's a part of my story. It's a part of what made me up, but it's not who I am. Mm -hmm. I'm not just an abused victim. I'm not just a guy who grew up in an abused home. I'm a child of God with all the ups and downs, learning to die to self and pick on my cross and to love my neighbor. Amen. Wow. Uh, I'm just kind of, I'm just blown away. Um, so what do you think? What do you think is the big the big problem in the Christian uh, world today? Like, what do you think the big biggest hurdle or obstacle is for people to coming to Christ? Well, again, that's a lot of answers for that. I'll talk specifically about forgiveness. I think sometimes as the church, we see forgiveness through the lens of the word. Why wouldn't we? That's what we preach. We know that that forgiveness comes as soon as you ask Christ in your life. He, you know. He forgives us, we're redeemed, we're set free. Uh, he, he doesn't remember the past is gone as far as the East is from the West. But And that's how the kind of forgiveness that God gives us. And then we know that we're called to forgive others. Anybody that served the Lord, we, we know those scriptures. It becomes the default of the Christian, like a computer has a default mode. I think as soon as we're wounded, we want to forgive so much because we know that's what our Heavenly Father calls us to do. So it's a, a earnest and a genuine and a, and a real desire to forgive. But I don't think we ever allow ourselves enough to go through the process of forgiveness. And I think that we have to go through all the phases. We have to deal with it. We have to talk about it. You know, when you've been wounded and you've been broken and you've been rejected and there's fear and there's anger and there's frustration and there's hurt. You know, my my abuse stopped when I was 14 years old. My body no longer got, a bur got abused. I was no longer stabbed. I was no longer raped. I was no longer burnt. But my abuser still had... Uh, control over me in a sense that I was still tethered to the lies. I was still still tethered to the to the, uh, uh, the 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 perception that he gave to me because he abused me. The abuse was the rudder that I steered my life by. So I think sometimes in the church we don't always allow people enough time to say, "Hey, I gotta work this stuff out. I gotta wrestle with this stuff. I gotta lay it at the altar. I gotta." Kind of sometimes we want to just jump in, and I get it. I've, I, I'm a pastor. I get it. We want to say Christ forgave us, so let us forgive others, and that's true. But I think sometimes those deep, uh, traumaful uh, wounds really need time to process. You know, I know God can heal in an instant. I believe God can raise the dead and open up blind eyes and give ear, give uh, hearing to the deaf. I believe God can do miracles, but my miracle came on a journey. Yeah. My miracle wasn't one moment. My miracle wasn't one instant, but my miracle came because it came on a journey. 
David would write, I have to walk through the valley. And I know for me, I had to walk through that valley. And in that valley, I learned to trust God. You know, when you've been through so much trauma, one of the first casualties, not the only casualty, is trust. And you stop trusting anybody or anything. And God really has to build that trust back in us. And how can we have faith if we don't have trust? So slowly, precept by precept, God shows his love and his mercy. He tells us by faith we can move mountains. And I always knew the mountain to forgive that man who had abused me, to forgive my mom and forgive those who rejected me was too big. So the Lord started to teach me how to uh, move a pebble by faith and move a stone by faith and move a rock by faith and move a mound by faith and move a hill by faith. And before I know it, one day the Lord would say to me, Mark, let's go move that mountain. And literally in my in my heart, not in my, you know, not in an audible voice, but in my heart of hearts, I, I said, Lord, that, that, that mountain's too big. And he said, how did you move everything else? Yeah. I said, will you help me? And he said, now I'll help you move that. But that wasn't the first day. That was step by step, precept by precept going forward. Amen to that. Amen. And amen. You know, you know that, you know, the funny part is you mentioned, I think before where, you know, <clears throat> Um, it's where your thoughts, you know, how your abuser or, you know, people that might have hurt others. And anyway, they can be gone, like they can be with the Lord or they can be passed away, but they still have a grasp on you. It's because That's of right. your thoughts and because of uh, you allow that mind and they control that. And I feel like in order to have a cleanse your mind and you know, peacefulness in your mind. You truly have to, like you said, ask for forgiveness because I think you've been hearing my podcast because that's what we're in the study right now is fixing your thoughts on Christ. And that's exactly what I talked about the other day, actually. Amen. Amen. Um, so, so what you graduated high school. And- I graduated high school is yeah. the mid 80s. Like I said, we loved IROC Z's. Uh, you know, MTV was cool. Uh, I mean, it was the 80s, hardcore, 1980, uh, you know, synthesizers, rock and roll. I mean, we were right in the middle of it. Uh, I am a dyslexic on top of all the other abuse. I am loving God with all my heart, the best I know how to. I'm a broken, messed up kid trying to figure out life. And the Lord speaks to my heart and says, go to Bible college. And I did what most people do when they get a call to Bible college. I said, not me. I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not bright enough. And I wrestled with God about that for a few years. And on that journey, about 22, 23 years old, God finally won. And I found myself at a college called Zion. Uh, I found a learning, learning instructor there. I was a part of a, 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 you know, they they brought in a, 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 a teacher or a professor to start a learning center. I was the first, first student. So as I tell everybody, it was the best four or five five and a half, six years of Bible college that I've ever had. And I had to work three times as hard to get half as far, but God was really uh, working in me and changing me and transforming me and, and molding me. You know, he is the potter and I am the clay. And he used those years in Bible school to bring me a little further. He used those years of my life to bring me a little deeper in him. Amen. And amen. So then you, are you married? Do you have kids? I am. So, you know, I finally finished Bible college. I am again, I started a little later in my 20s. So I finished a little later as in my late 20s when I started, went on staff at my home church. 
And I tell everybody, they go, well, what did you do on staff? I said, I was an assistant pastor. I had the position called do whatever the senior pastor tells you to do. position, <laughs> and, and, you know, and that's what I did. I think I did a little bit of everything. And, uh, you know, so I was just kind of loving God and putting God first, really good season in my life. And, you know, I, I was praying for a wife. And before you know it, this girl who was, was just a friend, she was only a friend, you know, she wasn't on the radar. I, she was my friend. She was my friend's sister. You know, I never saw her in that kind of light. And when you know it, that one day she came home from college and, uh, there was a, there was a new spark of life and, and I saw her in a different way and she saw me that way. And we began a relationship and, we got married in the early 2000s, and today we've been married uh, 19 years, and we have four children, and we've pastored several churches, the senior pastor, staff pastor, um, but we've written the book, we've spoken about forgiveness, we've worked, uh, we've worked with organizations and people and churches to help bring uh, a full understanding, the best I can, to say, listen, my story of the freedom that I have. I'm not that I'm perfect, but my identity is not broken. My identity is Jesus Christ. My struggle is not with my past. My struggles oftentimes with myself, like many of us. Yeah. Uh, but but I say that I'm a new man. I am not better. I I I I'm still working out, trying to be a better neighbor and love my love my neighbor and figure out which way's up and down. But I love Jesus Christ with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind. So if a given the nightmare, our book, we just tried to be honest about that journey, about all the things that that can be pitfalls, all the places that can be victories. And we just submerged it in God's word. That, that's awesome. And in your book, do you mention about marriage or not really? Yeah, I talk a little bit about my marriage. You know, I talk about the birth of my first child and how when uh, my, you know, the enemy loves to lie to us. He yeah. loves to try to trip us up. And, and I remember uh, my wife giving birth to our, our first child and being overwhelmed by that and being, obviously my heart was full and, and, and excited and scared and everything a young father would feel, a first time father. And I remember as I was holding my son for the first time and glad that he came into the world the usual way with 10 fingers and 10 toes and, and so thankful my wife was healthy and all the things that, that, that we were thankful for. I remember the enemy saying to me, uh, lying to me right at that moment, because I had such a love for my son and the enemy would say, well, no one ever loved you that way. And I remember at that moment, the enemy was trying to you know, really sift that moment of joy from me, trying to bring me back to a place of pain. But, but God reminded me that he always loved me, that he was always there for me, even though I went through a, a pound of pain, even though I went through a, a mountain of hurt, even though I went through a valley of, of death, if you would, but God was always there. And, and, and that gave me enough peace. As I said to you, I've asked God all the hard questions and he gave me answers mm -hmm. and it wasn't always easy answers. Uh, you know, I think about Jacob, whose name went deceiver in the Bible, and he had to wrestle with an angel all night and he wouldn't let the angel go. He wouldn't let him go. And the angel said, let me go. And he said, I won't let you go until you bless me. And the angel said, what's your name? And he had to say it was Jacob, Jacob the deceiver. And the angel would say, now it's Israel because you've wrestled with God and man and overcome. In the NIV, it says it that way. And I think in a sense that Jacob started that day off as the deceiver, but because he had to wrestle with his past, he had to wrestle with his hurts, he had to wrestle with his, his fears, his brother, and all the things that was coming, that as he wrestled, he found victory. And that victory 
and God made him an overcomer in a sense. Amen. And I think that's what happened for me. I think that I had to wrestle with myself. I had to wrestle with my past. I had to wrestle with the lies and I had to wrestle with the insecurities. I had to decide to choose not be a victim and to walk in, victor in victory. I had to choose to say, am I going to let this thing be an anchor to me? Am I going to always let it control me? But I said, God, you're greater and you're bigger. And even though I, I still have tough days and even though the enemy still comes in to sift, I know God is great. He's bigger and he's stronger. So no longer am I just that victim. I'm not perfect. Believe me, that's my wife. I'm far from perfect. Yeah. But, but I am redeemed and set free in the blood of the Lamb. Amen. And amen. So as we conclude, um, how would you feel? So I'm going to invite you on to another episode for a part two. How would you like to do a part two with or? Uh, I'd be honored. I'd be honored. Thank you so much for the opportunity. No problem. Uh, it's a blessing to be able to share with you and your listeners about my ministry, about forgiving the nightmare. So thank I, you so much. Absolutely. Would you mind closing us out in prayer? I'd be happy to. All righty. Lord God, I thank you so much for to this day. This is the day the Lord has made. And Father, I believe that whoever hears this testimony today, whoever hears this podcast, Lord, it's not by accident. And Father, I know when we speak of such matters, it, it can be, it can bring a lot of things up. Many of us just push aside. We push through. But Father, as we hear people speak about trauma and abuse, Father God, it can bring up many things. And I pray as it's brought up to the surface, Father, we just don't push it away, but we, we push it to you. And Father, I pray you come beside anybody that's hearing this today. And Father, no matter where they are in their life, Father God, that that Father, no matter where they are in, in their in their faith walk, Lord, no matter if they attend church or don't attend church, Lord, may they know that they can cry out to you. And Father, you're there to be their Lord, to be their Savior, to be their healer, to be their deliverer, to be the lifter of their head and the lover of their soul. So Father, only peace is found in you. Father, I'm thankful that we're not perfect because we serve a perfect God. And Lord, I pray that you're with us and you bless us and you go before us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, Pastor Mark, I would like to say thank you so much for joining us. And remember, God loves you. And I'll meet you at the finish line. Have a blessed day. Bye.